0: It's not undependable. The Word of God is there for us. And I don't know where you're at. like Maybe you're a young person. And, man, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your mind. I've got school and I've got all this stuff. And, and maybe you're a mom or you're a dad. You've got all this stuff. And you're like, man, I, I don't know how to fit this into my life. I have no idea how to do this. We've got all kinds of things. What I want to do is I want to remind you of the power of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God to transform our lives. And what I want to do this morning is this. I, I don't want to just look at the Bible and say, well, here's what the Bible says about the Bible. What I want to do is I want to show you from 3 John how the Word of God transforms a person's character. Because that's what we're ultimately talking about. We're talking about how does the Word of God transform us ultimately into the image of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we want to do. I hope that that's our desire. So I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible to 3 John. uh, And we're going to look at about eight verses. And uh, if you were to, to look at... Third um, John. John, the, the one who knew, intimate Jesus, uh, knew Jesus intimately, spent three years with him. If there's a key verse in Third John, it's this. In verse 4, it says this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking according to the truth. Let me ask you something. What brings you joy in life? What brings you ultimate joy in life? What is that thing that just strikes you in the heart And brings joy. Is it reflective of the word of God. In the person of Jesus Christ. Or or maybe by asking that question of ourselves. Maybe our joy is a little bit misplaced. Because what John seems to be saying. is, Listen the word of God. Is powerful to transform us. And change us. And as John a follower of Jesus. Who was a pastor. Who's writing a letter to uh, a guy by the name of Gaius. Wanting to be a good shepherd. Wanting them to embrace a note of truth. He said listen what's most important is. To see my children walking according to God's truth. And how will you be different at the end of the year? Man, we just ended last We just ended 2022. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad to turn the page on 2022. And I'm looking forward to 2023. And as we discipline ourselves, as Paul writes to Timothy, as we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, is there a way that we can incorporate God's word into our life? Joshua 1.8, let me just remind you of a couple of verses. Joshua 1.8 says this. One of the first verses I ever memorized. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Who does not want to be prosperous and successful in 2023? Every one of us do. There's no doubt. Oh, man, I, I really would like to be a failure in 2023. Absolutely not. The Bible talks about the Word of God bringing peace, prosperity, and success in our life. Psalm, chapter 1, most of you know Psalm. Listen to the Word of the Lord, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prosper. I I don't know about you. I'm 60-something years old. (laughs) And I realize I'm in one of the last one or two seasons of my life. And there's a sense of urgency in my life. There's a sense of urgency in the way that I live. And by the way, it shouldn't be just because we're getting older. Man, I heard of a friend of mine, a mom, 30-something years old, been diagnosed with cancer. And all of a sudden, the sense of urgency strikes us because we realize that that life is incredibly fragile. It's incredibly frail. And I think what we all want to do is we all want to yield fruit in season, whether I'm young, whether I'm old. I want to yield fruit. We all want to yield fruit. We, We want to be prosperous with our lives. And the Bible says you can do that. It may not be the exact thing that you would think what success and prosperity looks like. But God can work that in your life. One last verse from the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16. Most of you have this memory. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for for correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is from God. It's God's special revelation given to us. Special revelation Jesus. Special revelation in the Word of God given to us so that we know how to live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies Him. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at 3 John. So let me just throw this, the scripture on, on the screen here and I'm going to read it. And by the way, one of the reasons why we do this, because I, I want you to know this, that what I'm speaking of comes from it comes from the Bible. That is so important for me. That what I say to you is anchored not in myself, but in God's word because of who he is. So let me read the word of God to you. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. What a great prayer. What a great prayer to begin I, I'm praying for you, Bill or Sue or whoever, that, that all may go well with you, that you would enjoy good health and that your soul would be healthy. It gave me great joy to have some of the brothers come and tell me about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. If you look at this over and over, there's a couple of phrases. Dear friends, the truth, the truth of God's word, I, I want our lives our ministries, they want our families to be framed in the truth. And so that's what I want to do this one. I just want to look at, for a couple of minutes on God's Word and challenges from God's Word and how we can allow the, the Word of God to engage our relationships and how we can allow the Word of God to enhance our reputations. Good thing. Father, thank you for your Word. Father, I thank you for the great privilege of being able to meet here on the first of the year and sing this song, Emmanuel. God with us. To think that when we leave here and we go to our cars and we go to our homes and this week as we go back to school or go back to work, Father, the reality of you being with us is incredibly true and accurate and it's life-changing and life-transforming. And Father, I thank you that your word says that we're two or three are gathered together in your name that you are there with them. Father, this morning you are with us. You are with us through your word. You are with us through the presence of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. And now I ask that you speak to us. Open our eyes that we can see wonderful things from your word, Lord. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So l- let me just take a few minutes and, and kind of talk about the guy who wrote this, uh, the guy by the name of John. Um, uh, John, if you look at this and if you look at the Gospel of John and you look at some of his other writings, you can tell that he, he was concerned about the truth. He, the, the, the relationship in his life and the anchor to himself was a recognition that, that God is a God of truth, that God can be trusted and we can look to him. And so that became a foundation of his life. King David uh, Uh, King David wrote this in Psalm 31, verse 5. He says this, uh, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. David's anchor for his life was the reality of that God is the God of truth. So so no matter what he was going through and running from Saul, even in the midst of his sin, he could say that, that God is the truth of his life and he's the anchor to my very soul. And there's no doubt that John could look back in the life of David. No doubt he could look back to the prophets. He could look back to the prophet Isaiah. The the prophet Isaiah wrote profoundly about the nature and the character of God. When you go back and read the book of Isaiah, there's a couple of major themes. One of the major themes is this, that I am God and there is no one else. Another major theme is the idea that I am the God who knows the past and I know the future. And because of that, you can rest and you can put your faith and trust in me. And that was the challenge to the nation of Israel. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19. Notice what Isaiah reminds the prophet and the people. He says this, I've not spoken in secret from somewhere in a, a land of darkness. I've not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. In other words, you saying, listen, I'm not just throwing words out there. The, the words and the revelation that I'm giving to you, they mean something, and you can anchor your life in who I am and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to reveal myself. And so he says this, I, the Lord, speak the truth, and I declare what is right. Listen, We live. We live. In a day and age where everyone's truth is subjective, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe, your truth, my truth. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God is the God of the Bible. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what we need to do is we need to anchor our lives in the very idea that God is the God of truth. And he's chosen to reveal himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can trust him with the Bible. I can trust him for the highs, the lows, the ins and outs, the good, the bad. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. Just one chapter later, one of my favorite verses in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 46, says this. Listen to these words. I mean, I can read these words and we can go home because of the power. Listen to what he says. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, this I will bring about What I have planned, I will do. God, through the prophet Isaiah, was reminding himself, reminding the nation of Israel that I can be trusted. And if I want this guy who lives a thousand miles away to be my instrument, to be my instrument of righteousness, to be my instrument of calling the people back to him, I can do that. Because that is who I am. And he's talking about plans. And he's talking about purposes. And he's talking about the way that we can align our lives. And we can ultimately trust him for who he is. And, and John could look back. The Gospel writer John could look back to the prophet Isaiah. And he could also look back to Abraham. Abraham was ch- promised a child at his old age. And God brought that about. Joseph was given a, a dream about how his, his brothers and his dad would, would fall down before him. And all of these bad things happened to him. But at the end. All of that happens. Why? Because God can be trusted. Abraham trusted God. Joseph trusted God. David. All of the Old Testament saints trusted God for who he is and what he would do and how he would reveal himself to him. And you and I are invited, as we look at God's word, to trust him for who he is and to allow him to let the word of God transform our lives and for our character. And so, John. Knowing all of this about God in the Old Testament, that God is a God of truth, that there is a relationship with Him based upon the foundation of truth, over and over reminds us of one thing. Truth. Truth. Look at the Gospel of John. 25 times he talks about God being the God of truth. 25 times he talks about Jesus saying, I am the truth. You've heard it said Let me tell you the truth. Over and over, this guy, the Messiah, this guy by the name of Jesus comes along and he talks about being the God of truth in the midst of calamity, in the midst of change. And so there's no doubt why John would begin his gospel, if you will, with this idea that God is a God of truth and he can be trusted. And over and over in the Bible, over and over from the the writer John, we're reminded that God is a God of truth. From the beginning to end, God is a God of truth. And John continues to write about that. John chapter 8. He's having a, a, a question. He's having a, a conversation, if you will, a, a, with the Jewish people about their spiritual heritage. And they're looking to Moses and they're looking to the Old Testament and saying, that's our spiritual heritage. That's who we are to look for to truth. And Jesus comes along and he flips it on its side. He says, listen, you, you think the scriptures or what you find eternal life in. And what the scriptures ultimately do is they remind you of me, Jesus the Messiah. John chapter 8, notice what he says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what? The truth is going to set you free. The, the, The truth doesn't bind our lives. What the truth ultimately does, it sets us free from the sin, the stuff that resides on the inside. And that's why Jesus came and said, I tell you the truth. Will you listen to me? Will you follow me? Will you embrace the truth? Listen, Jesus gave his life. Jesus gave his life as a testimony to the truth. At the end of his life, he's standing before Pilate. And Pilate actually wants to release him. He wants to let him go because he recognizes this guy's an innocent man. There's nothing wrong with him. The Jews are bringing all these trumped up charges on him. And so Pilate goes to him and he's challenging Jesus. In John chapter 18, notice what interaction between Jesus and Pilate. Pilate says, you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world. Why? He came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And so Jesus comes. He's the word made flesh. He is the truth. He comes speaking truth. And even at the end of his life, he's the embodiment of truth, if you will. And so John has this frame of reference, this frame of reference in the person of Jesus being the truth of God and that he would come and he would free us from our sin and he would point us in the direction of our truth and how we are to live our lives. So there's no doubt what John is doing in writing to Gaius, is this, I want you to connect your life to the truth. I want you to connect your life to the truth and reality of who Jesus is. And so two really quick points before we leave this morning. Number one is this. I believe what John writes to Gaius and he writes to the church and what he writes to all of us is this. Let the truth of God engage your relationships. Look at verses one and two again. The elder to my dear friend Gaius whom I love in truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting a long way. Notice how John says the truth of God engaged him in a variety of relationships in this letter. First of all, there's an engagement in the partnership. Notice what he says, dear friend. Four times he says, dear friend. That that phrase is, is, is more than just a casual reference. It has the idea of this that we are part of the beloved of God, that God loves us, that God cares for us. And so because God loves us and God cares for us, it's more than a casual relationship. And and we are part of the beloved of God. We are saints of God, if you will, if you could use that terminology. And and notice what John is doing. He says, "I'm, I'm praying for both your physical health and I'm praying for your spiritual health. Listen, when you become a child of God, you're not the Lone ranger. You are now engaged in relationships. You're engaged with partnerships with other people. And and I hope that as we begin 2023, as we look at this, you're involved in the lives of people. So maybe they know what's going on in your life. And maybe they can pray for you. And maybe what you can do is you can enter into that relationship with somebody else and they can be praying for you. You can both be praying for each other because there's a partnership in life. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how people do it. I I have to be in church. I have to sing these songs here today. I have to be reminded of Emmanuel, God with us. I have to be around that. I need the encouragement of the body of Christ. We should be coming, and we should be partnering with each other, and we should be saying, hey, how you doing? How's your relationship with Jesus doing? Are you growing in your faith? You know, iron sharpens iron. And what, what, what John is reminding Gaius is there's a partnership in this relationship because of our faith. The second part is this. He was engaged in discipleship. Think about who's writing here. John, he's a disciple. He's an apostle. He's an elder. He's a part of the church. And what is he doing? He's writing to a guy by the name of Gaius who's most likely leading a church. So you have a shepherd who is God's shepherd leading another shepherd. And he's saying, Listen, what I want to do is I want to help and I want to encourage you and I want to build you up in the faith. I want to write to him and encourage you so that you can continue on in the faith, so that you won't give up. He said, Listen, I want you to live your life in such a way that you continue to be faithful, and you can continue to be example to the people of God, if you will. And John wrote that. He wrote, listen, I, I want you to be engaged in the truth and the reality of God. John's purpose in writing the Gospel of John, and God's purpose of writing is is to encourage, and to build up, and to help a fellow person, grow in the relationship with Christ. Listen, do you have? Discipleship has the idea of discipline. It has the idea of of a a relationship that we are helping each other grow and mature in faith. Do you you have that kind of relationship with someone? Maybe it's a one-on-one relationship. Maybe it's a smaller group relationship. But is, is there that framework in your life where you are involved in some kind of relationship where you're discipling and helping other people to grow and they are helping you to grow. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And we need that. We need that in the body of Christ. We need that in the family of God. I need that. You know, I, I've been meeting with, uh, I, I call them my Harley buddies. I've been meeting with them for I can't tell you how many years, how many restaurants we've been to. And we meet every Thursday morning, almost every Thursday morning. And we meet to talk about life and talk about each other's lives and to help and encourage each other. And I need that. And I think that's what we need in the body of Christ. We all need to be engaged, if you will, in partnership, engaged, if you will, in discipleship. Luke chapter 6, Jesus said these words, uh, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone, who is fully, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. It's that idea of iron sharpens iron, and that we have the privilege of coming alongside of each other and building each other in the family of God. So we're engaged in partnership, we're engaged in discipleship. By the way, you're engaged in a family. Notice the words, dear friend, beloved of God. He he says we're brothers in verse three. He says, dear children, what unites us? Our faith and our trust in God. Our faith and our trust in God. You know, when you look out, a lot of times when I go through these texts, I think about the church of God and I think about the different people and the different groups of people. You know, we have children, we have young people. And I say this gently... We have a lot of widows. We have a lot of widows, widowers, in our little fellowship here. And you realize they're a part of the family of God? Our young people are part of the family of God. And our children are part of the family of God. And our youth are a part of the family of God. We're all part of something bigger. We're part of God's family. And we need each other in God's family. We need each other to be loved. We need each other to come alongside and to support each other. And I think what, what John is writing to Gaius is, listen, what I want you to do is I, I want you to be engaged in relationship with other people. Don't forget that you are a part of something bigger. You're a part of God's family. And who you are and what you do in the family of God matters. So we're engaged in partnership. We're engaged in discipleship. We're engaged in family. And the last thing he's engaged in was this. Gospel outreach. That you and I have been called by God to take the message of the gospel to other people. And we just simply live out our faith. And as we live out our faith, it has the opportunity to impact people in a mighty and powerful way. If you look at this, uh, if you're to go back home and and read this, the church is addressed in in verse 6. In verse 9 and verse 10. In verse 6, people were being sent out because of the name. In verse 6, we have what I believe is the very heart of Gaius, and it's this. Even though people were coming into Gaius' life, they were coming into the church, even they were coming into that context, he didn't know who they were. They were brothers. He didn't have any idea who they were. But they were sent as maybe as pastors, maybe as teachers, maybe as missionaries. They were sent to Gaius. They were sent to the church. And what is he doing? He's simply opening his heart. He's opening his resources out to them so that he can support them in the name of Jesus. By the way, if you go back and read this letter today, the name of Jesus is not mentioned one time in this book. Isn't that interesting? Three guys with reputations are mentioned in this book. And they're all, two of them anyway, two of them are reflecting the very nature and the character and the person of Jesus. Uh, Diotrophus has gone off the deep end and he's just kind of walked away. And and what what I believe John is doing is he's reminding us of, of the power of our relationship, the power that you and I can touch his, others' lives by simply just living out the truth and being who we are, by having that day-in and day-out relationship with Jesus. Um, I, I came across this illustration, and I, I just thought it was appropriate for this morning. Um, at the end of the school year in 1997, uh, Judith Tonzing wrote in one of her sixth-grade students' report cards. This is what she wrote: "A teacher writing to a student, 1997. It's been a joy to have you in class. Keep up the good work." Invite me to your Harvard graduation. That's what she wrote. 21 years later, the students did just that. Kristen Gilmer, 33, kept and treasured the note from her former sixth grade teacher saying, those powerful lessons encouraged her to study public health. So when Gilmer graduated from Harvard, As a doctor in public health in May of 2018, she made sure Tonzing was there to share the big day. And she said that she lit a fire in me. Isn't that interesting? How that sixth grade student took the words of that teacher to heart and never forgot them. And for 20 something years, she lived her life not to please this teacher, but it lit a fire in her heart and lit a fire in her soul that propelled her to be a better kind of person. And I think that's what John is writing here to Gaius. He's saying, listen, because of the truth, the reality of our faith, that we are in Christ, we are engaged in a lot of different ways. We're engaged in partnership. We're engaged in discipleship. We're engaged in this family aspect. We're engaged in getting the gospel out there to other people. And because of that, we need each other in the body of Christ. So let me ask you, how are you going to be different in 2023? How are you going to be different? I would imagine most of us are thinking about how we're going to be different this year. You you, you probably sit down and you you make some job decisions, and I want my job to go this way. Probably some of you are thinking about retirement. What what does that look like? I mean, has anybody started planning a vacation? I would imagine, you know, some of us have. I like planning vacation. Thank you, yeah. Are, are we making plans for our spiritual life? And I'm not saying this to hit you over the head. I'm just saying this to encourage you. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness so that we can grow and mature in our faith. And let's not, let, let's not forget this important aspect of our lives and how we can impact other people as we embrace and know the truth. Real quickly, and then we're done. There's two ways that the truth of God enhanced their relationship. Enhanced John's relationship and it enhanced Gaius' relationship. Two ways real quick. Look at verses 3 and 4. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell tell me about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What was Gaius? He was faithful to the truth. Hey, church, let me tell you about this Gaius guy. I mean, he's giving his life away, he's sharing of his resources, he's giving money, he's, he's, he's having strangers come and live inside of his house. And he's doing all of these things for the sake of the name. In other words, what's being commanded here is his reputation. The brothers in verse five are these itinerant pastors and people that would come through that he didn't even really know, but he was opening his heart, opening his home to them. And why? Because he was faithful to the truth. To the truth of what? Who Jesus is and what he's called us to do and what he's called us to be. He was absolutely faithful. I don't know what we're specifically, each one of us called to do next year, but there's no doubt wherever you're at and whatever you are doing, Aligning yourself with the truth of God and being faithful is a great way to live your life. I'm going to be faithful to the truth and who God is and what He would have for our life. Second thing that is mentioned here is that He walked according to the truth. He day in, day out, walked consistently according to the truth. That doesn't mean you have setbacks, we all have setbacks. But day in and day out, what I'm going to do is I'm going to align myself with the truth of God. And I'm going to align myself with that. And I'm going to continue to walk through it. Even when it doesn't feel good. Even when it doesn't sometimes make sense. What I'm going to do is I'm going to continue. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking according to the truth. What a great great challenge for all of us. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we do this? Here's, here's my application. I've just, I've just jumped through three pages of notes to get here. All right? H- how do we apply that? Let me give you a couple of principles. Here Here is some things to help you. Number one, what is the application? Commit to some type of reading program this week. Year. What we provide is we provide a booklet. And the reason that we provide a booklet because it gives you Old Testament, it gives you New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. So when you're struggling through the Old Testament, and you're like, oh, I can't read another bagat, I can't read another genealogy, I can't read another dividing up of a land, I can't. Oh, I got the New Testament. And I've got Proverbs. I've got Psalms. Whatever it is, find something that allows you. There are there are hundreds of reading programs out there. Find one that you can get into on a daily basis and commit yourself to do it. And I would challenge you to find someone to be accountable with. Because after about a month and you're in Deuteronomy and you're in Leviticus and you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You can call that friend on the phone and say, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. My dad did this last year. He said it's one of the best things for him. He actually he texted actually me and said, Simeon, one of those, another one of those reading programs, and because he committed to doing it, and he kind of said uh, on, on a, a Facebook post that he did this, somebody else is wanting to do this. I don't even know who this person is. That's the way that the Word of God can impact us. So commit to doing it. Second thing, let the truth of God permeate your life and your relationship. When you come to a hard place when you're reading through the Bible, and you're going to come through some hard places, just, just read over it. But mark it and say, I'm going to come back to that. I don't necessarily understand, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back to that. And what you may need to do is you may need to get maybe a commentary or some kind of dictionary or something else that, that helps you to know and helps you to dig a little deeper. There's a lot of good websites out there. There's a lot of good resources out there. And there's nothing wrong dig in a little deeper because I guarantee you your friends, your non-Christian friends they know some of these things and you may get challenged with one of them so I would encourage you, dig a little deeper and and if you find a place that's really hard check it off, move on, but but commit to coming coming back to it third thing is this, allow your faith and your trust to go, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so when you come to a hard portion of the Bible uh, somebody asked me this question this week and it's a great question what do you do when you come to a hard place in the Bible? I said, just do what um, Benjamin Franklin did. Just take the Bible and just rip that page out. Create your own Bible. No, it's not what I said. What I said is this. I think sometimes what we have to do and what I have to do, we have to read this in the context. We have to step back and take a, a look at it from a, a bigger picture. What's the issue here? Is there something here I don't understand? Is it a cultural thing? Is there something that I need to dig a little deeper is there something that I don't like? What is the issue? And how am I going to handle that? Is this something that Jesus has said, and I just don't like it? And then, if that's the issue, I'm faced with a choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to walk in obedience to God's word? Or am I going to simply, huh, I'm just going to ignore that and move on? I think a lot of people do that. One example, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <gasps> what? Really? You want me to love my enemies? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? I'm faced with a choice. What am I going to do? Do I understand it? Do I not understand it? Is this Jesus saying something to us? Is this giving you and I a picture of the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us in going to the cross and offering himself as a payment for our sins. I wonder if that verse gives us a deeper picture of Jesus and why he had to come. Sometimes we got to come back to the word of God. we got to dig a little. Listen, let's not be lazy. Can I say that in church? Don't be lazy. How much time do you spend on your phone? How many times I can't tell you how many times I catch myself on my phone and I'm just scrolling through stuff. And I'm trying to get over that. Let's not scroll through the Bible. Let's open our minds and our hearts to it. Two things and we're done. God will fulfill His promises. One of the reasons why I think it's great to read the Bible is because I forget all the names and I forget all the promises. And what I do is when I read the Bible, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I'm reminded of the promises of God. I'm reminded of the people of God. And the last thing is this. Ultimately, what, ultimately what we're looking at, when we're looking at the Bible, is we're looking at Emmanuel. We're looking at God with us. That this revelation ultimately points us to the unique person of Jesus and how he's come to transform and change us on the inside. So that's my challenge for us in 2023. How are you going to be different this year? You know, is it a good thing for us to, to encourage one another and build up one another and help each other grow in faith? You know, if you're struggling in some area, maybe find someone to say, listen, I, I really want some help in this area. But let's allow the Word of God to change and transform our lives. Can we do that? Good thing? Don't you love God's Word? Of course you do. You're here on a Sunday morning, first of the year. Father, thank you for your Word. Father, I thank you for the way that your Word changes in transform lives Father I thank you for our teachers I thank you for those who give themselves to teach and instruct children Father I ask that you continue to allow us as a church to be a church centered and focused on the word of God because it transforms our lives Father I thank you for the music the opportunity we have to sing and to celebrate your goodness and your grace God to every Sunday be reminded of Emmanuel God with us and Father this morning January first, we begin by looking at your word, but also looking at the person of Jesus and what he's done for us and his death on the cross. And Father, I pray that in this in this intense, quiet, important moment, our lives would reflect on you and what you've done for us. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.